Welcome to the Pupun Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. Yes, I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. I have a cup of Milton Burl. Fuck! Milton Burl. It's Milton. I was trying to figure out a name earlier. We were, uh, I had mentioned that I was eating Neeson Super Meal. And uh, Jeannie off camera, a bunny said Liam Neeson. And then uh, Jeannie mentioned uh, apparently Liam Neeson is very hung. And I'm like, well, Liam Neeson is hung, but he's no. And then I couldn't think of the name of the vaudevillian performer uh, who uh, old radio time comedian who had his own TV show. And also, as the legends say, had one of the biggest penises in the world. It's uh yes, I remember his name now. Hi everybody. Hey, good luck. Good luck at work, Amber. Love you. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But just in case, maybe take a light jacket. Poor Amber's working in retail. I'm so glad that I am not. Yes. Yeah. So this is episode 281 of the podcast, and uh, just FYI, this is a message to Bonnie and also just just to everyone who might be watching or listening uh, I've got a short but fun act one and I've got very little about I, I've got a decent amount about this movie it's just difficult because not only is this week's movie Santa Jaws a bad movie but also we had a bad copy of a bad movie and that's always difficult to try yes. and make sense of a bad movie that's a bad quality of a bad movie it felt like what was it Octoman Octoman, yeah, that was that was some bad quality. Yeah, that, yeah, that movie was so dark you could barely see anything. It kind of felt like that. And uh, so, so I have a short act one, I have a short act three, and it accidentally, Shep is huge. Okay. It's just huge, but it's so good. It just, it, it sounds like a movie. It sounds like a really good movie. Except it's history, and uh, it, it just exploded. So, short act one, short act three, huge act two. Yeah. So, that's going to be fun. But we are live uh, yeah, right now. Some... We are live right now on Facebook. Huh? It's about 1.52 p.m. Mountain Time. If you're listening on SoundCloud, there's a link below. So, just click there if you ever want to get to the group so you yeah. can watch live. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. Cool. Uh, well, this is episode 281, and let's, uh, no, not right now, not right now. Let's get to it. Buddy! Yes. So this is the 281st episode of this podcast, which is even more impressive when you realize our podcast is usually about three times longer than any podcast is or should be. Yes. But still, episode 281, that's pretty impressive. It's even more impressive because we have super long podcasts. But uh, episode 281 means that soon, very soon, we'll be at 200, episode 285. And then we'll be at episode 200. Pretty soon after that, we'll be on episode 290. Then pretty soon after that, we'll be on episode 295. Then pretty soon after that, we'll be on episode 298. 
Then after that, it will be on episode 299. Yes, you can have it. Do you see me shaking my head saying, yes, you can have it. You can have it. MX will open it up for you. MX will open it up for you. And then after that, we will be a whopping 300 episodes in, which is pretty uh, darn impressive for a rambling podcast like this one. And so I started thinking, what should we do for our big 300th episode? And so, as I occasionally do, I've made a list. Very good. Now, it's not the best list. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just I scribbled down here ideas for 300th episode. Just to be clear, friendly reminder, I'm just spitballing here. And in a spitballing session, there's no such thing as bad ideas. You're just throwing things against a wall and seeing what sticks is yes. all you're doing we're we're just we're just coming up with ideas and seeing what might work and what <laughs> might not work so here are some of the ideas that i came up with this week for our big 300th episode number one a laser light show set to all of our awkward stone silences that sounds like it has a lot of potential. How many lasers are you thinking? See that silence there? That yes. can, That's one of them. That was one of them. I think we'd probably just need one. And okay. then I'll just like shake it. I'll just like shake it like this. Yeah, but I said silence and not science. But still, way to quote, she blinded me with science, four-year-old girl. Uh, well, I don't think the idea. cat would mind if we use this. Yep, that's a possibility. There we go. We got uh, a laser light show going. Cool. Okay. Uh, idea number two. We go full on Andy Kaufman, and for one episode of the podcast, we just have Jeannie read The Great Gatsby in its entirety. Okay. What do you think, yeah. babe? Nope. Okay, so that's a soft yes from Jeannie. Yeah. <laughs> soft yes. All right. So that was number two. Uh, okay, so here's idea number three. And just uh, hear me out here, Bunny. Uh, just an idea I had, and I think it's pretty good. What if yes. the reason why we haven't gotten Oprah on the show is because we've never tried to get Oprah on the show. That's right. Right? That's right. We also have to consider whether we want Oprah on the show or not. Or John Cena. He'll be our first invisible guest. John Cena? Yeah. uh, I've, I've often thought we should interview a dead guest. That's a good idea. You know, like, like, get Prince on the show. Yeah. Or, or Lemmy. Or you know what? We could probably interview a fictional character from a long time ago that's sort of in public domain. Because so then we wouldn't get in trouble. And it's like, oh, hello, everybody. Today we will be entering, interviewing Felix the Cat. Felix the Cat, how are you doing? I'm doing fucking great, Steve. <laughs> oh, Felix. Uh, seem a bit angry there. Well, I've been out of work for 38 years. So suck my ass. And, and you know, we'd, <laughs> we'd get in trouble if we made that Mickey Mouse's voice. 
Yeah. We can get away with Felix. Yeah, true. Hey, we ran old Felix the Cat cartoons in the 80s on in Phoenix, and I just fell in love with Felix the Cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. Whenever he gets into a fix, he reaches into his bag of tricks. I love Felix the Cat. And that's it, it, maybe that's what started my whole obsession with things outside of my uh time period yeah yeah i i felix was on i was never in love with felix felix and gumby watch him felix and gumby i liked felix and gumby gumby i liked in the late 80s, they started the new adventures of Gumby. That was crap. But in the early to mid 80s, they would rerun the old, creepy, weird cartoons. The old stop motion ones from like the 60s. And those are the ones that I loved. Yeah. Because sometimes you get a story about Gumby and Pokey. And then sometimes you just get weird art. <laughs> so, okay. So. Idea number four okay. for our 300th episode. And again, this is just a spitballing session, and there are no bad ideas in a spitballing session. What if, Bunny, instead of working our butts off, doing a big, huge show, we just take an episode off? I'm just saying, my son is nine, and he would gladly talk about Minecraft and Fortnite for three hours. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's true. He would absolutely not have a problem. He, so but he's not on just, the Amongst Us bus? He, he is absolutely on the Amongst Us bus. Yeah. I've, I've, I've never played... I don't play... Everyone in the family except Eleanor and I play Among Us. Eleanor and I do not play Among Us. Eleanor because she's only four. And me because I, I, I don't mean to always put... I don't mean to always put myself as the victim of my own story, but yeah. I, but I will say, okay, but I will say that it definitely seems as if everyone else in the family started playing Among Us and didn't ask me to play Among Us. So now, if they ever ask me to play Among Us, I say no because it feels like, oh, that's a you thing that you didn't, you didn't include me in. Now I don't want to play it. No, I don't want to play you stupid Among Us. <laughs> it's fun. And it was so weird because it's like, oh, my goodness, I have the coronavirus. I'm so sick. I don't know if I'm going to if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to. And then you hear a scream coming from the other end of the house and I'm running and I'm like, is everyone OK? And Natasha's like, yeah, fucking Emerald just killed me in electrical. <laughs> And it was like the weirdest coronavirus because I was like dramatic Steve, like, oh, I am I am sick. I have this deadly disease. I'm certain I'm gonna die. And then like Emerald and Amber and Bella and Natasha in their own rooms going, okay, what's the room code? What's the room code? Are, are you red or are you white? Okay, I'm gonna be red. And it, it was so fucking weird. But Maxwell could easily talk about Minecraft and Fortnite and Among Us. Yes. For three hours. Yes, Eleanor. What? No, you can't have my water. You have your own water. So true. 
Yes, Maxwell is I here. I would do that. Yeah, he says that that's true. Yeah, that's why I included it because I knew because I know you would. Uh, number four. Uh, one, two, three, four. Number five. Here's my fifth idea. Okay, two words: knife juggling. Knife juggling. Okay. Yes. Yes. We get someone else oh. to do knife juggling, <laughs> except not us because we're too cute. I, I'm thinking Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, we could probably find someone, just not us, because we're fragile. We're fragile, yeah. little, beautiful uh, porcelain dolls, Bunny and well, I are. I, I'd be willing to give them, like, 50 bucks. Amateur, cool. complete amateur, though. I really want an amateur okay. knife Absolutely. juggler. Because then I can get my 50 bucks back. Yeah, good point. Okay, so here's the last idea, and this one's the the big one that I'm really proud of. The Pope on film, the musical. So I've been in talks with Lenny. Me and Lenny have been talking a lot. And yeah. uh, Oh, wait, sorry. Lin-Manuel Miranda to you. Oh, uh, oh okay. Folks. But the people who know him close and personal like I do call him Lenny. So anyway, we have some songs that we've been working on. There's a, uh, where's the chicory dump? Yeah. That's sort of uh, like a fun one, sort of Oklahoma-ish, you know, everyone's line dancing. Uh, I was fired. That's sort of like a ballad. And then there's the showstopper. My name is Ray Maland and I masturbate horses. That's the showstopper. Yes, it is. That's the showstopper. Anyway, that's just a few ideas that I had for our 300th episode. And we still have a few months to go before we hit 300. So, uh, you know, if any of these ideas to the people out there, you know, really grab you, then great. If not, then, hey, we still got a, a few episodes to go. So yes, we do. I'll keep working on it. Yeah, I'll keep working on it. And cut on that. Buddy! It is my deeply held personal belief that there are some crimes that are so unbelievably big. I know I don't want that. Go, go, go. That are so unbelievably huge that the real criminals are the people that didn't stop the crime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That it's like, okay, you steal. A thousand dollars from the bank. Okay, you're a criminal. You seal a giant, uh, life-size Ronald McDonald statue from outside of a McDonald's, and it's like, oh, well, how did you let that happen? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if someone stole a shirt from Disneyland, okay, that's a crime. You yeah. should go to jail. You know, you punish the guilty. But if someone stole an animatronic Lincoln from Disneyland. Yeah. Then uh, the employees that didn't stop such a brazen crime is partially to blame. You know what I'm saying? But also the the theft itself takes on a certain ab admirability. Yeah. You know, exactly. you're like, good, good job. <laughs> yeah. So... With that in mind, um, police in California have uncovered a massive fraud scheme wherein 
tens of thousands of prison inmates were illegally gathering, get, gaining coronavirus unemployment checks. Totaling okay. as much, totaling as much as $1 billion. This is who getting checks? Prison inmates. Okay. Tens of thousands of inmates, including people on death row, serial killers. Scott Peterson was getting a check. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That's a name I haven't heard in forever. Remember Scott and Lacey Peterson and the husband was all over the place. And he's like, please, my wife is missing. Please help me find my wife. Yeah. Please, please help me find my wife. Please, please. Let's let's find my wife. Let's find fine. I'll show you where the body is. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, um, first off, much of it is this is the fault of the prison system. I mean, how did you not catch this? <laughs> I, I understand if like, oh, it, it, 20 guys were doing this. No, tens of thousands of people were doing this. How could you not stop this? You know, <laughs> that is shocking. And secondly, and Bonnie, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So just be prepared. Secondly. Okay. The media says that oftentimes the prisoners would use fake names such as John Doe, John Adams, and in one case, a prisoner allegedly used the alias Poopy Britches. Okay. Hey, hold on, media. Before you rush to judgment... My friend Bunny is huge into true crime. And if there's one thing that he could tell us all right now, it's the shocking true crime story of the Poopy Britches murders. Bunny, why don't you tell us all about the Poopy Britches murders? The Poopy Britches murders. I, I, it is one of those I, I am surprised. You know, people talk about like Albert Fish and H.H. Holmes. But poopy britches, the story of poopy britches, you yes. know, who would stalk and kill anybody who he believes shit themselves. Ah, yes. Yes. So Hang we out. would just find shitty bodies. Not, not me. I mean, I wasn't, I saw it on TV. Um, <laughs> But but in the investigation, that's the bodies that were turning up, just just choked on shit <laughs> until they just passed out and died with a dirty ass. Yeah, and he racked up a fucking. He was close to thirty. Okay, so yeah, he racked up numbers. a body count. And we're not talking about, like, like he took from anywhere in society. You know, like, his only thing was whether or not you shit your pants. You know? So, so it wasn't like, you know, if you're killing hookers or if you're killing homeless people, people that nobody gives a fuck about anyway, you know, that's easy. You know? But to, to take out of all society, you know, 
there's like, like you can like really kind of admire Ted Bundy on one level for how fucking smart he was. You know, you can kind of admire Poopy Britches in the same way, you know, because he, he had a code. It was a stupid code, but he fucking had one and he stuck with it. Yeah. And he and didn't they made become Brody a lumberjack. And Brody was in it. What? Yeah. They made a movie about the Poopy Britches murders. I'm pretty sure Adrian Brody was in it. Oh yeah, it was Adrian Brody. But the, but that's yeah. that's because they needed to take up a lot of like screen space. You know. Yeah. And his fucking nose alone. You know, it's the same reason John Waters always like putting on put putting fat people on the screen. Adrian yeah. Brody's nose serves that exact same purpose. And then it was weird because all of the all of the victims in the movie were played by the solid gold dancers. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then it's weird because, you know, uh that was that show was like what, 1979, 1980, and now it's you know, they're making the movie in 2017 and yeah. they've all aged quite a bit. The yes, they have. Yes, they so have. So that was, that was odd, but they're still in like the, the the spandex and everything. Yeah, I I just thought it was kind of a weird choice to represent all of the murders in interpretive disco dance. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not really, sure I would have gone that way. Yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Believe it's on Netflix. Well, it was it was bold, you know, just not yeah. to my taste. Yeah, just search "Poopy Britches" on Netflix. It's a good film. Uh, and cut on that, honey. Yes. I am very excited about this next bit. I have a new little weekly segment for the remainder of the year. This is a timed, this is a timed reoccurring segment. And I think it's really going to be fun. I think you're really going to like it. I call it <clears throat> Things You Forgot Happened in 2020. Okay. Because the year has really been dominated by this whole deadly global pandemic thing. And a lot of things that fall, have fallen through the cracks. And then there's the fact that we're in a time warp. And, and especially during lockdown times, every month either seems like two weeks or a year. So, uh, so for the remaining episodes of 2020, every week I will be reminding people of an incident that would have been big time news. Were it not for this being the year of the plague. (laughs) Funny! Yes. On January 22nd, 2020, Planters Peanuts announced that they were killing off their beloved Mr. Peanut mascot after over 100 years as part of a series of Super Bowl commercials. And most people remember this. Most people remember it because uh, Mr. Peanut died in a car crash in one commercial. And then in another commercial, baby Mr. Peanut was born. And people do remember that because that was like a meme. Uh, But here's the thing. 
The death of Mr. Peanut made such a big stink in the news and online that planters decided, you know what? Let, let's 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 have uh, Mr. Peanut die in a, in a commercial. This will be a big thing in the Super Bowl. And they released the commercial in advance. Uh-huh. I, I'm on a roll. Stop interrupting me, Eleanor. I'm on a roll, okay? You can ask me whatever you want during the break. I'm almost there. Just let me get through this, okay? Okay? Thank you. So, uh, so... The the death of Mr. Peanut made such a stink that they said, oh, great idea. So, okay, let's ride this thing. Instead of just having Mr. Peanut die and baby Mr. Peanut uh, appear, let's have a funeral. Okay. Let's have a big funeral for Mr. Peanut. So the ads would be a series of ads. The first ad, which would play in the beginning of the Super Bowl, uh, Mr. Peanut's tragic death. Second ad, big time funeral. And the third ad, the birth of baby Mr. Peanut. The first and third ads aired on the Super Bowl and were a big time hit. The third ad, which was filmed and finished, never aired. Let me tell you why Mr. Peanut's funeral never aired. Okay. Bryant. Okay. Because uh, uh, Mr. Peanut died and they were talking about a funeral and then five days later Kobe Bryant died. Okay. As TV networks were airing Kobe Bryant's funeral, planters quietly canceled the plans for Mr. Peanut's funeral. But personally, I would like to think that probably a few hours after the death of Kobe Bryant, like that, I, I'd like to think that there were some heartless executives who were like, maybe we can have a joint funeral. Oh, get Kobe's people on the phone. What if they air Kobe Bryant's commercial and uh, funeral, and then they can be commercial breaks, and then we can air Mr. Peanuts. Yeah, funeral. We can do a double funeral. Oh, Kobe Bryant and Mr. Peanut. So sad. Tragic. Maybe we can sponsor his casket. But yeah, they they ended up canceling Mr. Peanut's funeral. And the reason is because of Kobe Bryant. That That's some shocking stuff. Yes. But it's what did of, baby Peanut look like? Uh, Like a cute Japanese kawaii sort of version of Mr. Peanut. Okay, so they're just kind of looking for a way to change the look. Yeah, basically. Basically. I I personally believe, I heard some stand-up comedian talk about how he had a really long series of of jokes, a whole stand-up routine about how Mr. Peanut stood for the rich 1% and that he believes that that's the reason why they killed Mr. Peanut. Yeah. Because with his top hat and monocle, oh, he thinks he's all that. Yeah. Very, very, he he is the Monopoly guy in Peanut form. Yes. Yeah. Now we have baby Peanut and we can still shape him. Maybe he'll be a Bernie supporter. Who knows? (laughs) But it's kind of funny because that, that just shows. You, but that just kind of shows that like everybody's aware. It's really loud, stop. 
everybody is aware and if it if advertisers are aware and know to target this at least we're getting through we're tired of the fucking one percent yes yeah i yeah. find it funny no, it, it is takes working. it is working yeah i i find that you see evidence of it in mr peanut but why else would, mm-hmm. right exactly why the fuck else would they do that yeah, it has to be the reason why. It has to be the reason why. So that's good. You know, uh, corporate America is at least starting to pay attention. You know? <laughs> They're trying to calm the masses down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, that's it. You just had one. You just had one. Five seconds ago. You can't have another one. And stop moving those bottles. I, it, it's very loud, Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, so that's it for things you forgot happened in 2020 uh, this week. Next week, we're talking about Trump because, of course, we are. But he's done a lot of stupid things that I feel that we have forgotten about. Because Oh, my God, yes. So we will be talking about that next week in our new uh, reoccurring segment, Things You Forgot Happened in 2020. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes. Uh, we still have a full show to go. We've got Bunny versus. We've got a, a very large chap. We've got a, a ridiculous movie. Uh, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Yes. We should take a break. Uh, I concur. We will be right back with more. I didn't. I, no one asked you if you concur, Maxwell. <laughs> this is between Bunny and I. Okay. <laughs> huh? Should we take a break, my nine-year-old son? No, no. This is, I'm talking to Bunny here. Okay. Jeez, yeah. Louise. We will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this. Do do do.
Are you a woman in the Utah area looking for ugly clothing? Then hop on down to the Black Dress Warehouse. We are Utah's leading supplier of black or dark gray dresses. Do you want to look like a housewife? Do you want to look like a woman who is suffering depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a, of a loved one? Or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim specter of death. If you are, then come on down to Black Dress Warehouse. We sell black dresses and that's it. Off of Route 9 and Main Street, Black Dress Warehouse. Montage. We're cleaning up the streets. We're getting people with wife beaters, asking them questions in an alleyway. I'm wearing a peach colored suit, and everything's cool. It's a montage, a disco montage. Is that a jeepney? That's weird. It's a montage. Here's my business card. It's a montage. A disco montage. We are cleaning up the streets. We're whacking the attack. And sometimes we're attacking the whack. And sometimes it's a whack attack. Because we don't have a coherent catchphrase yet for what we are doing. Maybe we should get some better publicity. Maybe hire somebody to do this stuff. To figure out what we should call this. Maybe we can do that in our montage. Kung Fu montage. We're talking to drunk people. That might... I think that's MC Hammer now. MC Hammer's drunk. He is drunk in a hallway. We're walking past pawn shops. In our montage. A Kung Fu montage. Disco Godfather. And a guy with an afro. A really impressive afro in a montage. Walking down to something. Not really steps, but maybe that is a thing. And this guy's got a briefcase. And he's got his at a pipe. Oh, I don't know what he's doing. He's signing a piece of paper in a montage. Smokey the Bear montage. They are walking down the streets with some fine ladies. In a montage, beating up random people that they see on the street. Got real big glasses, see somebody beating up people, doing real bad kung fu. Getting some guy, grabbing him by the sweater, 
Slapping him across the face, his sweaty face in a montage. I've got a dog montage. A one, two, three, four. Huh, look at this. Certified frustration free packaging. Hmm. Not not frustrating, that's good. I guess I just pull here and uh Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. These are some of my favorite worst posts from the last few weeks on the Oklahoma City Craigslist page. This one is called Prince Media Pandering. And it says, Prince, you would have thought he was the president 
the way the media carries on about this non-talented transvestite! Exclamation point. So, transvestite! Every channel went on and on and still are, I say, good riddance. Typical left-wing, pandering media, always pushing their cause. Hell, when Elton John dies, they will probably declare a national holiday for him. They should, because Elton John is a treasure, number one. Uh, number two, mm, you need to check yourself. And third, it's not media pandering. Apparently, it's a pandering media. It's, it's a media that's run by pandas. It's a pandering media. I like that. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Bunny Versus, starring the incomparable, the illustrious, the some third thing, Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go? Are you ready to do it? Are you ready to conquer that hill? Are you ready? Maybe not the hill. You know, I, I I'm ready for more of a glade. Funny. Okay, you cut out a little on me there, Bunny. Was that a yes? That was a yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, in that case, it's time once again for Bunny versus, and now here is your host. Whoa! Williams, take it away, buddy! Uh, we're not dead yet. Hopes are still high. <laughs> hey, uh, we take our wins wherever we can get them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how are you this week? Uh, good... Uh, I, I, I switch between this pain in my chest must be because I still have the coronavirus and I'm going to die. And it's just stress because I had the coronavirus. I'm just fine. I actually worked out like twice this week. Yeah. Because then, like, like, and when I was doing it, uh, my daughter Emerald said, how do you feel good enough to do that? I'm just sore all over and I can barely move. 
like, how are you able to do that? And I was really proud of myself to be able to do that. So, so uh, yeah, so it, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. Uh, I've been reading a lot lately, and yeah. I'm really happy with that. I, I, my plan was to read the entire Terry Pratchett Discworld series all the way through. But the problem is I've read the first book and the first two books just over and over again. And I just did not feel the need to read them again. And I just couldn't do it. So that's when I decided, you know what, let's randomly pick one. What's one that I started, but never finished. And now I can read it all the way. Oh, look at this monstrous regiment. And I just ripped through that book. Yeah, I was reading like a hundred pages a day, and I was really getting into it. And I finished that book, and now I'm reading um, Carpe Jugulum. Okay, now and it's 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 really good, and 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 I'm really liking that. And I'm already picking which book to read after that, and and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, we had a nuts giving, a nuts giving. So that was fun. Yeah, Natasha has really been fighting against fucking holidays lately. And she, you know, Halloween, that's okay. But then it's like, uh, oh, Easter? We don't celebrate Easter in this house because Easter is a religious holiday, a Christian holiday. You don't see us going to the to church. You don't see us going to church every Sunday. So why should we have to celebrate Easter? We're not celebrating it. And it's like, okay, that's okay, that's fine. And then and and so and then she's like, I don't even see why we should celebrate Christmas. Kids, we're not celebrating Christmas. Like, 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 like she's she's the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. In in Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. Uh oh. We're not doing Christmas. Cancel Christmas, basically, is what she's been doing and so she decided this year like at the last second that like we're not celebrating thanksgiving we're celebrating canadian thanksgiving which is in october we're not selling america we're not celebrating american thanksgiving why should we because the pilgrims kill the natives and we're not celebrating thanksgiving and it's like okay well that's just my favorite holiday but that's fine so uh Natasha worked the day before Thanksgiving and I waited for her to leave and I'm like, okay, have fun at work, honey. You know, uh, be careful, drive safe, love you, bye. Okay, she's gone. Amber, give me your keys. I'm going to the store and trying to buy Thanksgiving. And, and the kids were like, what are you buying? And it's like, I don't know. I've never bought a Thanksgiving before. Mom does this, but she doesn't want to do a Thanksgiving. So I'm going to go to the store and buy, I don't know, pie and a, <laughs> and a ham. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do it. So I went to the store and I bought a bunch of stuff. And then uh, Natasha is is driving home and she's like, she calls me and she goes, honey, we can have a Thanksgiving if you want. I know this holiday means a lot to you. And it's like, okay, I'm glad you said that because I already kind of have one. And so we sort of threw together a Thanksgiving, but it made, it made her feel better to, to say like, can we not call it Thanksgiving? And I said, fine, it's parade day. Yeah. So that's what we celebrated. We celebrated the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is always my favorite part of Thanksgiving. And every year, uh, without fail, every year the same thing happens. My kids 
start out. Oh, Dad, father of mine, I am so happy to sit here and watch the Macy's Parade with you, darling father. But the problem is it's three fucking hours long. Yeah. And these little kids are little kids. So every year there is one point where the kids go from, I am so excited to sit here on the couch and watch this with you, papa, to I will gnaw my own fucking foot off. <laughs> from this goddamn parade. How is there more parade? So. Oh my God. And sure enough. Like about an hour and 40 minutes, and Eleanor's like, Can I have the TV now? And Maxwell's just on his tablet, and Eleanor's like, I'm gonna go play with Legos. And and just every, every year, it ends up just me on the couch. Yeah. But that's fine because I like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. I like, I like the yearly non sequitur parade. <laughs> Oh, look, Ocean Spray Cranberry Drink presents this float celebrating women in science. And look who's on it. It's Don McLean trying badly to lip sync American Pie. <laughs> and that's every year. Like, they just put a bunch of things in a hat and they pull it out. Okay, Harry Connick Jr. sings a New Year's song with the Ninja Turtles. Fine. So, so I, I really like that every year. So, so, so that's been my week. How are you doing, Bunny? I am okay. As, as usual, I wound up being on the wrong streaming channel for the parade. Verizon was streaming it live on you on their own YouTube channel. And I was, and it, and it's like now presented by Macy's and Verizon the Thanksgiving Day Parade, I was like, well, okay, this sounds like a solid choice, you know? It was a mistake, and then I just, like, wanted to watch the parade. I didn't want to go hunting around for, like, the real parade, you know? Yeah. It had Mario Lopez from from Saved by the Fucking Bell. Yeah, he wasn't on mine. I watched it on NBC. And then he was like doing it from his home, which is funny because you could tell he's he's in California somewhere because it's yeah. still dark. And I got and they were showing it live, so that means I had to get up at seven to seven in the morning to watch it. Yeah. So it had just gotten light around seven here. And then the parade starts and then it just starts getting light from Mario Lopez. That's weird. You really kind of have to see it because like it started with just him and then it was him and his son. And then it was him and his daughter or his dog. Anyway, it wound up with, with like three kids, two dogs, and his wife. And they all look exactly the same. 
Really? Yes. Yes. Are you trying to hypnotize me, dude? <laughs> yeah, I'm having a whole lot of fun. Oh, I'm really getting into it now. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the Morse code. Yeah, I'm having I'm <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing my own thing. So we have Mario Lopez doing like host segments from his couch at home. And then we have this like one of the most androgynous looking people I have ever seen in my life. I think their name was Russ. Russ something russ something who was down on the street but anyway he 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 was just like a lot of fun though because he was he was a very positive person you know and he was basically interviewing nobody you know like nobody in particular just random people they he talked to some of the balloon people you know he talked to yes. uh like the balloon captain or whatever it's called that leads all the people carrying the balloon yeah something like that like balloon captain or something like well how did you become balloon captain uh, there was an opening i had like a week of training <laughs> i was like Riveting. Okay. And there was like no one in the streets, so that was kind of amusing to see. Uh and they they explained it they explained it on the NBC side that uh because of COVID nineteen restrictions, some of the parade happened live and some of it was pre-taped. Yeah. And the way that you could tell was that, oh, in in the beginning, there's Jimmy Fallon in the roots and they're singing right outside of Macy's and it's raining and the floor is all wet. And then, oh, here comes a marching band and it's a beautiful sunny day. Looks like the water has dried in the last five minutes. They were putting up these Stupidest fucking facts. They, they there was like a float or something that, but with a flamingo, like pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, and one of the facts that came up was like, this flamingo is five times larger than a real flamingo. Oh no, fucking shit! And I was like, wow, wow yeah. I fucking needed to Amazing. know that. Amazing. So for the whole rest of the parade, anytime I saw anything that I found interesting and I was like, and this badger is five times larger than a regular flamingo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, they showed the, um, the boss baby balloon and they needed yeah, to give creepy. us a fact that it, it would hold... 
thousand crayons. The hell? It's like, okay, I didn't really need to know that. You saw a really strange version of the Macy's Parade. Oh, it gets better, man. It gets much, much better. Because they would show, like, dancers and things like that who were out. Because there were, like, live performances, but they all had masks on and shit. Yeah. But they weren't playing the music. That had to be weird to watch. Oh, it was totally fucked up. I'm going to have to see if I could download that. (laughs) It was seriously fucked up. And they kept showing us like the same floats over and over again. You know? And there would be people on floats who were waving. And like, again, like we don't watch regular TV anymore. I don't know who's famous or not. But it's like, it looks like they're famous. But nobody's mentioning it. This boy band is the size of two and a half flamingo. Yes. Yes. So that was an adventure. That was an adventure in parades. I always wind up on the wrong free feed. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I'm glad we still have regular old TV. You know? And I'm also living under a curse. Ooh, do tell. Because this has now happened several years in a row. Okay. Okay. Part of my Thanksgiving tradition, I'm sure you're aware, is after the parade... I watched March of the Wooden Soldiers with Laurel and Hardy. Yes. A movie we We have actually covered on the show because I just really love that movie. (laughs) So I go through my Plex server to put on March of the Wooden Soldiers and it's not there. Okay. Okay. So So this year I wound up watching it on YouTube. Okay. But I was like, okay, well, maybe I just forgot and thought I had this movie. But then, like, during the year, I would be scrolling through movies and I would be like, aha, March of the Wooden Soldiers is there. It's right there. I can see it. This movie is on this Plex server. And uh, come around the next year, Thanksgiving, time to watch March of the Wooden Soldiers, go through the Plex server. Try to find March of the Wooden Soldiers. It's not fucking there. Okay. So I have to rush and find an alternate way to watch March of the Wooden Soldiers to keep my Thanksgiving going. And this has happened like maybe three years in a row now. Where I will see it all through the year. It'll be in my list. I know exactly where it is. Come around Thanksgiving. It's not there. So somehow I got like no a techno curse. That's odd. But to be fair, you could probably make a movie out of that. 
I, I, oh. And it probably in this week's movie. Yeah. That's your title right there, Techno Curse. You film it all on Zoom. There you go. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Theater. Number one movie. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Thanksgiving was nice, you know, um, tried to cook together as much as we could, all that, had turkey, um, had a lot of stuff, had a lot of stuff, um, it was nice, it was nice, the parade was disappointing yet weirdly satisfying at the same time. I don't yeah. know how to. I don't know exactly how to feel. Well, traumatized might be a good word, but I don't know how else I feel about that Thanksgiving Day parade. Yeah, it was weird. Yes, it wasn't the same. No, and I had forgotten that Big Bird had died. I had forgotten that Carol Spiney or whoever the name. I forgot that Big Bird had died. Yes. And so Big Bird showed up during the Macy's parade and, and, you know, he's talking and one of the kids says, why does Big Bird sound weird? And I didn't have the heart to tell him that, well, the person who voiced Big Bird died and now Big Bird's always going to sound weird like Kermit. Yes. Uh It's going to be the exact same way. It's going to be Kermit all over again. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. (laughs) <laughs> I know Jim's I know Jim's dead, but this is my voice now. Yay! Yes. Yeah, and I just don't know how to feel about like the death of Jim Henson. I mean I mean I love Jim Henson as much as everybody else did, but like he didn't have to die and he only died because he was a Christian scientist. Yeah. And he wouldn't get treatment. Yeah, there's a really good Jim Henson documentary on Defunct Land. It's a YouTube channel. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. And then the sponsor of the videos was like NordVPN or something like that. And the guy who was doing the channel made the commercials in the style of the old Jim Henson Wilkins coffee commercials. Yes. And it's like, okay, there's a good way to integrate a commercial into this Jim Henson uh, documentary. It's a really good documentary is what I'm saying. I... It, and it's like five or six parts and each one is almost like an hour it's basically a mini series for about Jim Henson for free on YouTube it's really good yeah yeah i i had an idea for for a new product that we may need that that may be like revolutionary uh this week and i'm calling it the broadway buddy okay okay I mean, okay. in this time of pestilence, you know, I, I, people really need a way to get out. And, and, of course, Broadway is wildly popular. That's where where the people with money would want to go, who we would want to market this to. Okay? Yeah. And the Broadway okay. buddy is a small robot 
that will have a screen, and you'll be in the screen like a little Zoom meeting, and you'll send it off to a Broadway play for you. Oh, It'll have idea. a speaker so you could talk to the other robots that are there. You know? Yeah. You'll be able to hear what they're saying. You can interact with them. You know, you just can't be near other people anymore because we are viral. Yeah. What's what's that? Gummy. Oh, okay. Vote it was maybe a hit of acid. Nope. Gummy bear. That, that looks kind of papery. I'm eating gummy bears. Okay. So that's it. The Broadway buddy, and I think the robot itself would just be like a really utilitarian looking thing. You know, just like yep. minimalistic. Just enough to get away with it, calling it a robot. With just a big old face on it. <laughs> I'm down with that. The only thing is that is that who I really need to be able to pitch this idea and bring it to the world is dead. I mean, it would have to be Ron Popeil. You know? Nice. The Broadway buddy Very would have nice. to be a Ronco product. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm kind of stuck or with Billy, that idea. Not sure what to do with it. I'm a big fan of Billy Mays had a good selling voice. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Not a bad pitch man. Um, he should have broadened his horizons, you know? Yeah. And certainly Billy he's... For Judaism! <laughs> what? I was just thinking of Billy Mays trying to sell Judaism. Billy Mays here with the old New Testament. But isn't anybody demonstrably better than the MyPillow guy? Oh, fuck the MyPillow guy. Yeah. I mean, I would even take back that British guy who was hawking DD7 in the 80s. And it's so weird because it's like I don't even think about pillows. No. You know? No. Like, is your pillow bothering you? It's like, dude, I don't even know my pillow exists. Well, again, let's go back. You know, I can't identify famous people on a float during the Thanksgiving Day parade. I sure as fuck don't know who the my pillow guy is. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have to look up the My Pillow guy and find out that Trump put the My Pillow guy in charge of the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the task force? Yeah. Yeah. We are living in a parody. The My Pillow guy also helped uh, bail out Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. What a peach. Yeah, uh, the MyPillow guy and Ricky Schroeder. What? Ricky Schroeder? Yes, from the 80s kid-friendly sitcom Silver Spoons. 
I believe he was later on NYPD Blue for a while near the end. Was he? Yeah. If not NYPD Blue, then some TV cop show. Well, he he also kind of, kind of, and you really can't do this, but he really tried to like rebrand himself. Remember for a while he would only go by Rick Schroeder. Yeah. And I think he did a couple of made for TV Jack London adaptations or some shit. Probably. My friend Tom, you once played paintball with him. And that's more information stuck in my head about Rick Schroeder than has any goddamn right to be there. I didn't even watch Silver Spoons. I love Silver Spoons. Apparently, um, he helped bail out Kyle Rittenhouse in exchange for uh, the rights to his story. Okay. So, uh, Ricky Schroeder in the Kyle Rittenhouse story. Okay. (laughs) You know. (laughs) <laughs> the first OAN original movie. I'd watch that. I'd watch the shit out of that. It's got to be better yeah. than Unplanned. Fucking Unplanned. Unplanned. I was so oh. disappointed that it wasn't a horror movie. You know? I was Unplanned? Like, yeah, I was like, "Give this, give this to me! Come on, man! We are going to yeah. have talking yeah. fucking fetuses all over the place here." You want a scary yeah. movie about yeah. abortion? Yeah. I can run with that ball. Yeah, you would have fun with that. That movie was boring. I loved that movie so much. So fucking funny. Yeah. It was basically just, we're going to kill babies, see? Mm-hmm. We're going to kill babies and we're going to have fun. Have fun killing babies because we're evil. Oh, I hope no one comes over here and talks to me about Jesus. That was basically the entire movie. I kind of like the obviously cartooned Vetus that they showed moving. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fucking come on. Yeah. Come on. If you had any real footage, you would just use it. Yeah. And a lot of other flat out propaganda. Yeah. A lot of lies. And finally, I just want to make clear that Facebook fucked up our last stream. So fuck you, Facebook. Yes, yes. And I find it interesting and fucking spooky at the same time. Okay. Apparently, I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot this past week. I've I've seen a lot of articles about how Twitch is really clamping down on people. And, uh, hey, you're playing a Nintendo game. And you're having fun Uh. streaming. 
Nintendo game, and it, oh, and suddenly you get a cease and desist from Nintendo because you were playing a Mario game, and that uses Mario music, and Nintendo owns that music, and so we're taking down your entire Twitch channel. And and, and then one of the articles that I read said, yeah, Twitch and Facebook have been clamping down. Yeah. Any and all audio that might be owned by a by a third party, and that's when I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, okay, I'll be sure and try and remember to bring this up in Bunny Versus because that's exactly what's happening." Yeah, but the thing is, the thing, the the couple of things here that I find suspicious. Okay, not saying this was what happened. Okay. Yes. They're okay. saying it happened because it was my uh, Trump parody of a Pink Floyd song. And is it a brick in the wall? What song is that? I forget what fucking song it was. I think I think it's I think it's brick in the wall. Um. So I cut that with the music interspersed with shit Trump has done, and this is back from the fucking campaign, you know, and I cut it into one of the breaks, and they had a problem, they were like, ooh, this is Pink Floyd music, okay? Yeah. Well, okay, but this is still, this still is commentary and parody. I, I have the right to use it like this, you know? And second... Like, if Roger Waters found out, I think he'd like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. 100%. Okay. But I find it strange, and I kind of suspect more that it had to do with Trump. Okay? Yeah. Because they already let by, in previous episodes in which we were streaming... Edgar Winters Frankenstein backing up the Chia Souls bit. Uh. And they also passed by Joe Cocker's, uh, with a little help from my friends, from the Spider Years bit. Hmm. Okay. You know. That is a bit odd. So, like, like, I mean, I'm trying to cut breaks together. But I don't. I don't want to stop the stream over a break, and that's what happened. Yeah. So that's like the first part of the annoyance. Like, like not only is it did they block the feed over this, but obviously it's a very, very inconsistent rule. As to what they apply that to, because they apply it to Pink Floyd, but not to Edgar Winter or Joe Cocker. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah, no, that does sound pretty, pretty sus, like the kids are saying. But then the fucking, the fucking scary part is... Is that notice must have come up before first break? Because I noticed that it was up at first break when I went in to have a cigarette. Yeah. That didn't stream until the second break. Yeah, that's some suspicious shit. 
that you got to notice about using a song that you haven't used yet. Exactly. Yeah. That was a part of the second break. So they, they, so they shut down the stream for me streaming something I haven't streamed yet. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, that's fucking, that's, that's sus. And how far are they reaching into my computer to find out what I may potentially be streaming? Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Okay. Uh, Okay. So fuck ba- Facebook is basically what I, what I want to say about that. Yes. Yes, I concur. Yeah. Uh, again, anybody listening on live stream, you can uh, on SoundCloud or Mixcloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spotify. I think that's all of them. Apple Podcasts. Or, oh, iTunes or whatever the fuck it is now. Yeah, yeah. we're still Apple streaming Podcast. out there. Yeah. Um, you can come watch us live roughly about this time. It's, it's, uh, it is now 3.06 p.m. Mountain Time. We are in the Bunny versus segment. Come over to Facebook, join our group, and you can watch us live there. Yay. Yay. Maybe other places as well in the future. I think that's about it. Yeah. So until next week, this is Bunny versus saying self-sticking adhesive. Why, yes, please. That's good stuff. And cut on that. Bunny! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it in this day and age? But only true fans, real hardcore fans, would know two basic fundamental facts about the both of us. Uh, Two absolutely really real and not made up right now on the spot facts about America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you, is the fact that you are a talented singer-songwriter in your spare time. Yes. Lately, you have been hard at work rewriting classic Christmas songs for the pandemic coronavirus christmas songs so funny why don't you take some time before the segment start truly starts to tell us about uh some of the songs that you're working on yeah i also used to be a song and dance man until i fucked up my leg playing for the jets Um, but yeah i'm i'm down to music and lyrics and that's what I wanted to, because because coronavirus just has everyone down, you know. Yeah. Um. And 
I'm not saying I want to cheer them up as much as I'm saying I want to cut myself into history. Okay? Because any coronavirus song you come out with right around now, it's going to go down in history and legend kind of like ashes to ashes. Ring around the rosy, you know? Yeah. It's going to be remembered well past the Beatles. Okay? So, yes, I've been working on on Christmas coronavirus um, because that's the best time to sell suckers something really stupid. It's Christmas time. Absolutely. You know, they're just waiting for it with, like, the Salvation Army and all that shit. You know, you know. Um, So... Trying to do them very Dickens-esque. So it's something like... I need a choir. It's something like... Coronavirus here. Coronavirus here. Coronavirus here. Coronavirus here. We all have coronavirus. We all have coronavirus. We are spreading it to our neighbors because we're really selfish pigs. What? Let me tell you something, Bunny. Do you know if Dr. Elmo is still alive? Dr. Elmo? Because I'm just surprised that that no one has written Grandma got COVID from a reindeer. Yes, okay. You know, I just thought I'd pitch that song idea to you. The song writes itself. <laughs> yes. The song's basically already written in all of our hearts. Yes. You know? Yes, it is. Yeah. Anywho, the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So this is what I like to do at this juncture. I like to get a story from the history books and reword it via my own unique voice. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. And I got to say, we've done Shap for so long that it's really growing on me like a weed or Mariah (laughs) Carey's All I Want for Christmas. What I'm trying to say is Shap is inevitable. It's the Thanos of podcast segments. Anywho, today on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the 100% true story of the British pornographer who successfully took down Scotland Yard with his diary. Nice. Okay. Yes, Scotland Yard. It's not in any way related to Scotland, and it's not a yard, but still, Scotland Yard. It was formed in 1829 by the Home Secretary of Parliament, one Sir Robert Peel. And that's important because British police are called Bobbies because Robert Bobby Peel formed Scotland Yard. That's a true fact. Really? That's why they're called Bobbies, because Bobby Peel formed Scotland Yard. Before Scotland Yard, they had Watchmen, which sounds very old school, sounds very like... uh, 
What are you protecting Westeros? That's what I think of. <laughs> the, the watchmen, you know. And then, of course, there's a question of who watches them. But that's a different. That's a different shaft. So Scotland Yard was a new system of policing for Britain. Fun fact: Scotland Yard had a hard time getting over with the people. So you know who helped Scotland Yard get over with the public? You just mentioned him. Charles freaking Dickens. So Charles Dickens became friends with a Scotland Yard inspector in the, in the early days of Scotland Yard. And the guy's name was uh, inspector Charles field and Charles Dickens was just fascinated with the police and Scotland Yard. And so Charles Dickens would follow inspector field, you know, in his day-to-day routine, Charles Dickens even wrote an essay about his friend called On Duty with Inspector Peel, and he even based a character in his novel The Bleak House on his Scotland Yard pal. So uh, Charles Dickens helped Scotland Yard get over, which is wrestling terminology, but I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. gets it. Yeah. So Scotland Yard has different branches. Scotland Yard is the name of it. And then there are different branches and the different branches focus on the different things. There's the SPD, the Specialist Protection Department. They protect non-royalty government officials. Okay. Then there's the Fraud Squad, which sounds, which sounds like a sitcom that writes itself. Or, uh, or or the Fraud Squad could be one of those uh, Chicago dramas. Uh-huh. Chicago Medical, Chicago Fire, Chicago Police, and now Chicago Fraud Squad. You know? It sounds like it could be a Barney Miller spinoff. Yeah. Fish was successful. So they did another one, maybe with the Asian guy. And he's heading the Fraud Squad. Then there's the SO1, which stands for Serious Organized Crime and also the number one. I don't know why the number one is there. Maybe for fun. And our focus today is on the OPB squad. Now, to discuss the OPB squad, let's talk a little bit about British laws. In 1857, Britain passed Lord Campbell's Act, which not only banned all obscene publications, but also empowered police to search any place they believed porn was kept for sale or distribution. That's pretty vague and gives the police some pretty overreaching power. It also gave the post office the, the right to go through your mail if they thought you were getting porn and then like, uh, like charge you. And arrest yeah. you? You were selling or 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 distributing or getting porn? These are vast sweeping powers against pornography in Britain in 1857. Originally, this was passed under the guise of, oh, child pornography is so bad in Britain, let's just ban all porn. That will stop it. So it was more of a Tumblr approach to legislation. <laughs> yeah. And just like Tumblr, it was fraught with problems. The courts would just the courts would just decide, okay, this book, this book here, this one book, it's porn. Let's raid a bookstore. Hey, you have this book, you're selling porn, and there's just some lowly bookseller there going, What? 
And it's like, shut up, you smut peddler. We're throwing you in jail and we're locking away the key. And it's like, but this is literature. This has been, we've, we've been selling this for like decades. Yeah. To tell me that you have now decided this is porn? Okay, well, can, can I get someone to defend myself? No, you smut peddler. And, you know, just some dude ambivalently selling some romance novel and some British person in a powdered wig now deems it pornographic. It's messed up is what yeah. it is. There were no checks and balances. It's just... Uh, so then the 20th century hits, and with the advent of moving pictures, porn evolves, and Britain decides to update Lord Campbell's act because that was passed in 1857. That was a long time ago. So in 1959, Britain passed the Obscene Publications Act. Uh, with this new act, it was basically a lot of the same act as before. It was a lot of Lord Campbell's act, except now there were exceptions for works of art and science and literature, and, uh, etc. It also gave the creator a voice in court to defend his work. Basically, but basically, though, besides that, all porn was banned in Britain. I did not know this. That you can have softcore stuff. Oh, you want to sell a Playboy? That's fine. If there's any penetration, then some bobbies are going to break into your house with their billy clubs and beat the living shit out of you. Yeah. And they're going to throw you in jail and, 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 and throw away the key. It's quite shocking. So in 1959, to enforce the Obscene Publications Act, Scotland Yard created a new branch called the OPB, the Obscene Publication Branch. They were more commonly known as the Porn Squad. The Porn Squad. Porn Squad in color. Tonight's episode, Facial of Death. I, I, now I am suddenly wondering, and may have to search later, but I'm wondering how many porns now have that name. Porn Squad? That's yeah. a good question. So the Porn Squad would get wind of some adult bookstore hidden behind some nightclub, and they'd bust in with their clubs and start beating people up, kind of like in Monty Python. Yes. Monty Python skits, a couple of them, do give you a good idea of what the porn squad would be. That's the porn squad. Who's going to stop the porn squad? This finally brings us to the star of the shap, James Humphreys, crooked British pornographer and the man who single-handedly took down the entire porn squad with his diary. Nice. Okay. James William Humphreys was basically born a petty criminal. He was born in South London in 1930, and he quit school at the age of 14 to pursue a serious career in the oftentimes hectic world of crime. Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a scientist. I want to be a bobby. I want to sell fish and chips. I want to work in crime. Oh, James Humphreys. That was basically him when he was little so he's like i'm going to leave school and do crime now and apparently james was successful because he was arrested a year later for breaking into a house and then a year after that he was sent to a reform school in england apparently in england they're called approved schools which okay. 
don't know why they're called that, but anyway, he was sent to an approved school for Grand Theft Auto. And when he was growing up, he he amassed quite an impressive record, getting arrested over and over again for um, breaking and entering and theft and theft again, armed robbery, a break-in, aiding and abetting. He tried uh, going straight at age 21 when he married, but eventually he just went back to crime. But now he's in his 20s, okay? He's no longer like a teen James Humphreys uh, breaking and entering and stealing stuff. Now he's in his 20s, and uh, his criminal acts are getting bigger. Trafficking and stolen goods, armed robberies. In 1957, he broke into a post office and blew open the doors to a safe where he stole 8,260 pounds worth of money and money orders. In Goodfellas terms, this was James Humphrey's Lufthansa heist. Nice. Okay. And I did the math. Okay. Because uh, Wikipedia will just say, oh, he stole 8,260 pounds. So I went and did the math. 8,260 pounds is basically $11,000 in America. But with inflation, this one heist would have been worth over $100,000 in today's money. That's yeah. a big ass heist. And so when a big ass heist like that happens in Britain, who gets called? So obviously Scotland Yard is called because this is a big crime. And of course they caught James Humphreys because he keeps getting caught. Yes. I mean, I know he wants to be in crime, but he's not that good at getting away with it. Maybe he should think of a different profession. So he was sentenced to six years in jail. He went to Dartmoor prison. And when he got out of Dartmoor prison in 1962, he was in his 30s and he wanted to change professions. So shortly afterwards, after he got out of Dartmoor prison, he opened his first strip club. Now, an important part here, in order to keep local police away from his Soho area strip club, which was very popular with criminals and seedy types. Yeah, he had to pay protection money to a detective sergeant, tanky chancellor. He was a Scotland Yard detective who worked Soho and he was told, hey, if you're going to open a strip club in Soho, you have to pay the Scotland Yard detective who works Soho. His name is Tanky Chancellor. Go and pay Tanky. So 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 he's paying protection to a member of Scotland Yard, and he's running a business in Soho, in freaking Soho in the 60s. And so eventually it's just, oh, this is a lot of money that, that I'm pouring into this strip club. So he decides to move his strip club from Soho to a different neighborhood. And he's like, okay, so this neighborhood, it's not in Soho. It's cheaper. I'll save money that way. Also, now that I'm not in Soho, I won't have to pay a detective tanky chancellor anymore. So that's even more money. So this is good. So he moves the strip club, but officer tanky is like, Hey, you moved your strip club. You still have to fucking pay me. You son of a bitch. And uh, James Humphreys is pissed off. So you know what he does? He goes to Scotland Yard. Okay. So this uh, this uh, notorious criminal walks into Scotland Yard and it's like, hey, 
one of your detectives is making me pay like hush money, protection money, and that is wrong. And I demand press charges. So after that, a sur- after a thorough investigation, of course, Scotland Yard clears corrupt officer Tanky of all charges because police back then and now should not be allowed to investigate fellow police. Okay. Because power protects power. Uh-huh. And Sergeant Tanky was corrupt, and Scotland Yard did a so-called thorough investigation and, fa- and cleared Tanky of all charges, despite the fact that he was corrupt as fuck. But James Humphreys is all like, huh, so Scotland Yard turned a blind eye to protection money. Hmm, good to know. I'm going to remember that for later. So James Humphreys opens a strip club and then another strip club and they're doing really well and he's raking in the cash. Then he starts opening sex shops and adult bookstores. And again, friendly reminder, under the Obscene Publications Act, softcore porn, Playboy magazine, that sort of stuff is fine. Any and all hardcore porn is illegal. And the OPB, the Obscene Publications branch, the porn squad, will come and beat the shit out of you and throw you in prison forever. So this is very dangerous. But James Humphreys is making money, a shit ton of money. And he says, I think that I can make money off of my strip club and maybe also get Scotland Yard on my side. So this is what he does. He opens up his strip clubs and he opens up his sex shops and he opens up his adult bookstores and a rival gangster starts opening rival strip clubs and rival adult bookstores. And James Humphreys has such balls that he walks right into Scotland Yard and said, hello, I'm a concerned citizen, and I'd like to report someone who's opening up a bunch of seedy adult bookstores. So he straight up walks into the offices of the porn squad and rats out his competition, and the porn squad says, oh, thank you for your service, citizen. Here's some reward money. Okay. And just like that, pornographer James Humphreys now has police contacts. Yes. And he's ratting out any people who open up other strip clubs, open up other adult bookstores. So cut to it's 1969 and James Humphreys has multiple strip clubs, multiple, multiple porn shops. And he's occasionally an informer to Scotland Yard. So uh, James Humphreys goes, hey, all of my businesses are doing great. I'm going to open one more sex shop. But a police officer tells him, look, you've reached your limit. You open up another sex shop and we are going to come for you. Scotland Yard will come for you and we will take you down. So uh, so James Humphreys is like, oh, I got contacts. I got this. No problem. So James Humphreys goes to his friend who happens to be the head of Scotland Yard's serious crime squad. And they have dinner together. And he's like, hey, so you're the head of the serious crime squad. We're friends. I'm taking you to dinner. The most expensive place in all of London. I am going to pay. You can get whatever you want. And your adorable wife. You guys are amazing together. You know what? I've got this brand new car. It's a Rolls Royce. I was hoping to give it to someone. Maybe I should give it to you. Here you go. Take it as a gift. Also, can you tell me why I'm not allowed to open another store? And the guy goes, oh, well, that's Bill Moody. 
He's the head of the porn squad, and he is the one who said no to your new sex shop. We would absolutely let you have it because you're really nice and you keep giving us gifts and money. And so, yeah, we would be yes. But it's this Bill Moody guy who's now the head of the uh, the porn squad. You got to talk to him. Uh, so James Humphreys and his wife take Bill Moody out to dinner. And he's like, hey, Bill Moody, why don't you come out with me? We're going to go to dinner. You and me, me and my wife, you and your wife. I'm going to take you to the most expensive place in all of London. Don't worry. I'm going to pay for it. Get whatever you want. And hey, you know, I would like to give a donation of a few thousand pounds to the porn squad. You're doing great work anyway. Let's get down to business. Why can't I open this? new sex shop and bill moody says okay i'll let you open the sex shop but i've got demands Mm -hmm. four thousand pounds up front we i get half the share of your sex shop and one thousand pounds a week must go directly to the porn squad so the head of the porn squad is now in business with a notorious pornographer so over the next three years James Humphreys opens 10 more shops, and with that come a lot of dinners with a lot <laughs> of different members of Scotland Yard. Oh, so you're a new inspector. Hey, I'm a business owner here in London. My name is James Humphreys. Maybe you might have heard of me. Hey, how about you and your wife go out to dinner with me and my wife? The nicest place in all of London. It's pretty expensive, but don't worry. I got you covered. Why don't you get anything you want? You and your adorable wife. You know what? I've got a new boat and I don't really want it. Maybe you and your adorable, lovely wife would like to have it. Here you go. It's a gift. He is taking so many people, so many uh, 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 members of Scotland Yard out for dinners that eventually his day is just filled with these. He will take one policeman out to breakfast another policeman out to lunch and another policeman out to dinner. It's almost as if in order to keep Scotland Yard quiet, his new job is just taking people out for food. So basically he was dating Scotland Yard. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dinners. What I'm saying, a lot of dinners with a lot of members of the obscene publication branch. And these dinners were where the payoffs occurred a lot of dinners and not just with members of the porn squad, a ton of other Scotland Yard cops were on his payroll that weren't just porn squad, including one Ken Drury. He was the head of the robbery squad and they were especially tight. They would go out to dinner all the time. It got to the point where Ken Drury was a genuine friend to James Humphreys. And Ken Drury was sort of like the man who would make sure that James Humphreys gets taken care of because James Humphreys is really nice to me and my wife, and we're very close. So much so, they were so tight that, that see, James Humphreys wouldn't always pay with cash. He would sometimes pay with cars and jewelry. And one time when James Humphreys saw that Ken Drury was gaining some weight, James Humphreys bribed him with expensive exercise equipment. So James Humphreys cares. Yes. Is is what I'm saying. So, okay. Uh, Maybe he cares too much because in 1972, British newspapers run the headline, the police chief and the porn king. Okay. 
because they are so tight, James Humphreys and uh, Ken Drury, the head of the robbery squad, that they go on vacation together. Okay. They go on vacation together, James Humphreys and his wife and Ken Drury and his wife, and they go on vacation together and they, 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 they share a room together. And it's like, oh, sir, would you please uh, sign this hotel book? And it's like, yes, let me sign this hotel book. Ken Drury, Scotland Yard, head of porn squad, head of robbery squad, on vacation with James Humphreys. And here's the day. Maybe you're a bit too comfortable with this uh, criminal. Maybe you should have been a bit smarter because that's not a good thing. Not only to go on vacation with this notorious criminal, but then also to sign it, pick a different name. (laughs) What I'm saying, like, what the fuck, dude? You're on vacation with a criminal. Don't sign your name on the guest book. What the fuck? Even like, goddamn. (laughs) So ashamed of you. So anyway, um, the news is is all alike, and people are going crazy, and the news is asking the question, why is a member of Scotland Yard going on vacation with an alleged gangland mob boss criminal? So Ken Drury does an interview. He talks to the press, and he's like, look, let me set the record straight. I was not on vacation with the porn king, James Humphreys. Let me explain it to you. I was on the hunt for an escaped gang leader okay. who I believed was in the area, and that's why I was there. And the press said, well, why were you there with James Humphreys? And it's like, oh, well, let me explain that. He was with me on the hunt because James Humphreys is an informant. He returned Queen's evidence in exchange for immunity. He is a rat, or as British people say, he was super grass. Okay. Apparently in England, super grass is the same as rat. So everyone in the press, everyone in Britain, just FYI, I was not on vacation with a, a bad guy. James Humphreys is just a rat who we pay for information. And I was hunting someone. He is super grass. He is super grass. And the media went, oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. We'll leave Ken Drury alone because now we know that he was hunting someone and James Humphreys is just a dirty, stinking rat. I guess that's the end of the story. Everyone, James Humphreys is a dirty, stinking rat. All's well that ends well. But James Humphreys is pissed. Okay. He is super pissed. He is super ultra mega mega pissed because it's like, okay, uh, so we got away with it and maybe I should let this go. But on the other hand, now everyone thinks I'm a fucking rat and James Humphreys will not let that stand. But how does he enact his revenge? Do I go after Ken Drury? Do I go after uh, who? What do I do? So this is what he does. He decides to just go total scorched earth. Okay. In Thano terms, rain fire. Okay. So 
because James Humphreys, he's a bold man. So this notorious criminal does a press conference. Okay. Which is a weird thing for a notorious criminal to do, but he says he he sets up a press conference and the press is there, and it's like I like to tell my side of the story, which is the truth, the one hundred percent truth, and I'm going to tell you the story now. I, we were, I was on vacation with Ken Drury, and he he we were not hunting someone. He was on my payroll. I was bri- I. I, I was bribing him. I've been bribing <laughs> all of the porn squad, most of Scotland Yard. I have a, I am not super grass. I'm not a rat. I've been paying <laughs> off Scotland Yard. Do, does anyone have any questions? And the press is like, well, why should we believe you? And he goes, well, here's the thing that you might not know about me. Um, I have a diary. And as it turns out, this notorious criminal, James Humphreys, the porn king of Britain, kept a diary, a detailed list of every dinner, every breakfast, every lunch, where they went at the date and time, what they ordered, and exactly how much was paid to who. And he kept this for years in his diaries, which he gave to the press and then gave to the head of Scotland Yard was every single solitary goddamn member of Scotland Yard that he ever paid off. And the press shit themselves. <laughs> and for a small period in time, notorious criminal uh, and pornographer James Humphreys was like a little media darling. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to talk more about my diaries. See, I had a sliding scale of uh, exactly how much money I would pay to who. And it's like, oh, so you're a rookie constable. You get this much money. But if you go up to the second tier and you're a detective, hey, you get this much money. Oh, but now you're an inspector. You get this much money. I have a scale. Here, let me show you my scale. And he would uh, he would uh, get – he had a sliding scale. Plus, uh, Scotland Yard officers would help him find other people to pay off. Yeah. I, Big, massive criminal enterprise. So Ken Drury was immediately suspended in March of 1972. And then he himself resigned in May during an investigation. Uh, Scotland Yard decided it started an investigation and they're like, okay, we're going to start an investigation. And then the media was like, hey, maybe you shouldn't investigate it. And Scotland Yard said, fucking, okay, fine. We'll get an independent investigation going and the independent investigation found quote the most corrupt organization in all of london not james humphreys but Uh scotland yard and so people were fired the entire porn squad was fired uh 13 people were arrested and did hard time and scotland yard was forced to reform its tarnished image and all of that because james humphreys kept a diary okay nice though the story of the pornographer who uncovered corruption in scotland yard 
I, I, I was thinking, so like, much. if I had to categorize, categorize him, he is definitely in the Larry Flint category. Yeah. You know, like, Larry That's Flint, no matter how you cut it, is just really kind of a shady fucking dude. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, you can't always say he's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, he has yeah. a certain yeah. kind of strange likability. Yeah. So, uh, so that's basically it. Uh, here's a little bit of a um, epilogue. Uh, James Humphrey stayed in the world of crime. He was in and out of jail. He started making meth in the 80s. He was running illegal brothels in the 90s. He died in 2003. And fun fact, in 1995, Scotland Yard was like, hey, you guys remember the Obscene Publications Act that made all porn illegal in Britain? Well, uh, now apparently there's this thing. Uh, it's called the internet. And so long story short, we're getting rid of the obscene publications act. So in 1995, (laughs) they got rid of it because Britain was like, Oh, with the internet, there is no way to enforce this at all anymore. We can't do it. So they threw it away in 1995. Uh, but the porn squad is still a thing. It just focuses on uh, child pornography and getting rid of, of stuff like that. So I think this is a really interesting story. I had no idea that that porn was illegal in Britain for it, the longest it time. It reminds me of the video nasties just on a much fucking grander scale. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. Fascinating story. With the whole, the whole same. Well, it's porn if we call it porn. Yeah, it was basically the, the same thing they did with the video nasties. Because like you, you, you've I've seen a lot of them. That's like there is absolutely this movie is mainstream. There's absolutely no yeah. reason for it to be on a videos nasties list. And this is the yeah, same kind of thing. That. Like, what's what qualifies as porn is what they say is porn. Yeah, don't don't ban Caligula because it's porn, and don't ban Caligula because it's a video nasty. Ban Caligula because it's a nigh unwatchable piece of crap. Yes, but not because it's a video nasty is what I'm saying. Yes. So, so, so that's Steve's historic approximation this week. Next week, we will be talking of, about the true story of the uh, British invasion band that miraculously gave birth to one of America's biggest bands of the 80s. Yes bizarre story that I had no clue uh, actually happened, but we will be talking about that next week. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations! Yes. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! We still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about sharks. 
We need to talk about feminism. We need to talk about comic book store owners. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more of the Popon film after this. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Skitty, bop, do, wow. And break. It makes me feel pretty. But I'd like for you to pull my read-a-lot on this that I haven't actually gotten to make a full backing track for. It's called Insect Cities. And it's about uh, someone taking their clothes off at a park and then peeling off their skin. Cool. <coughs> anyway, you guys are the redhead zombie crowd. You can, you can handle that. Oh, yeah. Or some of you are. Some of you may not be. I can't see. You took off your clothes in the middle of the grass and my fingers of the sun. The light held you in its grasp. You love the wind, you mumbled on a park bench. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, you mumbled like a godsend. The peeling backwards of your skin and the slow open of your ribs made the sound of soft wings and crumpled shirt sleeves. Time caps a letter held in between and dropped from hands that now know things, all now slip from memory. Scattered in the weeds grown around the family tree where the tendency runs and almost gallops, your words crashing endlessly into a cluttered pipe dream where you took off your clothes because they had become unclean. All this preconceived blood on your sleeve and there are needles in your fever dreams. There are fables in these secret things. Pride open how screens be straight as beauty sleeps. Petals fall as anthills dream. Insect cities just out of reach. Put some clothes on, let's be friends. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's me, Gabby, the fucking alien. You know what the difference between my generation and the current generation is? We weren't pussies. To show you evidence of this, I present to you Creepy Crawlers. Creepy Crawlers, Creepy Crawlers, Creepy Crawlers. You can make all kinds of lovely things like these with Mattel's wonderful thing maker. It makes creepy crawlers. You can make all kinds of bugs and snakes, worms and spiders. Look at that. Choose a mold, pour in the goop, heat it, and presto chinjo, you've got bugs. Squiggly, squirty Hot steel. It feels so soft and molten plastic and electricity. Charming lizard pins or spider rings. And that was an appropriate toy for young kids. After all, they are fun. Those were the days of the true brave at heart. Kids today, with their bicycle helmets, they know nothing about this. Nothing. They don't know how to live in a dangerous world. I weep for our future.
Are you an evil supervillain in need of a nameless army? Then come on down to Nameless Henchman Warehouse. We are North America's leading supplier of nameless characterless thugs who all somehow know Kung Fu. Plus, since they're characterless, it doesn't matter when they die in battle, and that is the Nameless Henchman Warehouse guarantee. Do you need an army to storm a They seemed like the perfect Hollywood couple. My name is John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Andre the Giant, we hardly knew ye. What's up, y'all? Bill McGill saying there's a party all up in here and you need to get with the flow. Oh, yeah, Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor's got the heavyweight power, but you got the EOS to rip it up to some fat booty beats. Or just chill with the honeys. So get on the rocket and see the stars. Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor. Damn! The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. Close it up, close it up, close it up. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Now this is something the other tour guides will tell you. Seasons came and changed the time. The murder of Phil Hartman. Dig your own grave and say. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, and then toss it in the face of the person who gave you the lemons until they give you the oranges you asked for in the first place? In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. And one night, in a jealous rage, Kelly took a makeshift knife or shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. Did somebody say sassy? This way to the cafeteria. Jim Howard, today we mourn a stooge. Bryn pointed the gun at Phil and fired three shots. I, I should want to cook him a simple meal, but I shouldn't want to cut into him, to tear the flesh, to wear the flesh, to be born unto new worlds where his flesh becomes my key. And as if this wasn't enough retribution for Kelly, the next day he and four other inmates took turns hissing into the bitch's ocular cavities. That's right! I never thought of that one! Oh, women! No, women! 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 Dame! Say! Women! 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 Moments later, Bryn picked up a second gun and lay down next to the body of her husband. She held the weapon to her own head and pulled the trigger. A picture you won't ever forget because it touches the full spectrum of the bizarre, the forbidden, the twilight areas of a life destined to be spent in shadow and agony. The screen may never again relate to this subject matter. It will certainly never again approach this treatment. 
Oh, you know all about them, huh? You don't even know their names. Now get them out of here. Look, Paul, why don't you just go on to bed or something? I promised to have them out of here first thing in the morning. But I'm not taking them back on that road this time of night. Do they? I don't want to be unreasonable. But you know what happens to you when you get around women. And it must never happen again. <gasps> it ain't gonna happen, Paul. I'm gonna go fix them something to eat, and then I'll show them to the rooms. A child's world robbed of joy by a secret conspiracy of suspicion and fear, dwelling like a lodger in the mine, insinuating its presence into every heartbeat, holding a black light to the dreams of childhood, forcing the will into blind canyons of loneliness and despair, a stolen life, pawned to a godless oblivion. left to mourn, the last witnesses to the execution, suspended in time by a puppeteer with blood on his hands, little broken dolls that go on dancing after the music has stopped. Three. I'll be coming back. I'll be coming back for next week's episode. For next week's episode. You come back too. Or burn in hell for eternity. believe you would do this on Christmas Eve. You're grounded. What? Tomorrow is the Christmas Eve comic book party. Well, you should have thought of that before. I'm better off without him. Isn't that right, Santa Jaws? Cody! Ah! That is not a shark! That is Santa Jaws! I know her! I made her! That is her! I can't believe you would do this on Christmas Eve. You're grounded. What? Yeah. Tomorrow is the Christmas Eve comic book party. Yeah, oh, say. you should have thought. You know, that's, 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 that's their problem, not my problem. I'm <laughs> proud of my body. Oh, sorry, are we back? And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Did it catch any of that? Should have caught a bit of it, actually. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Because I All was right. like hovering, uh, on, I was hovering on the sound for the trailer to yeah. end, so I would hit the sound and go into the next screen, and then, then I, and I was listening to you, and I was like, okay, he's doing a bit. So I, I, as soon as I heard you doing it, I hit the bit, I hit it, and I waited for the yeah. trailer to finish out, and then I cut to this screen. Okay, good. That was fun. That was really fun. <laughs> that was fun. Okay. Uh, 
What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Act three, buddy. Act three. No idea. It's Ambers, I think. Uh, yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually saunter our way into the third and final act of the show. And for the uninitiated out there, the third act is wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all new extra strength, all natural, organic and available, finally, without a prescription movie of the week. And this week, we officially kick off the holiday season with a look at the 2018 sci-fi holiday monster film, Santa Jaws, or as I like to call it, Padding the Movie. (laughs) Uh, First of all, Bonnie, I'd like to apologize. I had no idea the sound was this bad in the copy that I got. At first, I got a copy of the movie. I I got this in 2018 when it came out because this premiered on the Sci-Fi Network in 2018, and I got a copy of it. But a copy of it, but for whatever reason, it was like 3.8 gigabytes, like a ridiculously high amount. Oh God, yeah. Shitty movie, and I was like, we should do this for the podcast. We should do this for the podcast, but it was too big. For me to be able to, to share in any meaningful way with you. So I was like, damn, I need to find a lower uh, sized copy of this movie. And I I looked for it in 2018 and couldn't find it. I looked for it in 2019 and couldn't find it. Nice. I needed more. I forgot to say. And then in 2020, I finally found like a, a, a smaller copy of the film. But apparently the it just... The sound is so far off from the actual uh, from from what's happening on the screen that it's it, it the movie is all nigh unwatchable, which makes it difficult to watch even more so because even if the sound was synced, this is a shitty movie you shouldn't watch. <laughs> so then. The the sound was so bad that it made an already unwatchable movie even more unwatchable. But that with that out of the way, uh, Bunny, what are your preliminary thoughts on Santa Jaws? Your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts, I, I think, may differ from yours a bit. Uh, I was kind of surprised by Santa Shark. Um I, I don't think it was a bad movie, but I'm giving it a solid mediocre. Okay. okay. You know what? I So not you know bad for thought, a sci-fi film. You know what I thought might have helped the movie? Like like it it seemed like it like it wanted to be Eris. It wanted to be what? Did I just lose you? Did the cat run across the keyboard and I lost you? Bunny, are you there? Obviously. (laughs) Yes. God damn. You're there? Okay. (laughs) She. Eris tried to turn off the podcast. Cat! Yeah, that's Fucking what I cat. saw. Okay, buddy, are you there? 
Yeah, right here. You're there? Uh-huh. Okay, good. That whole, that whole thing with the cat was more fun than watching Santa Jaws. Oh my god, I, I fucking, I, I laughed. It, you cut right in the middle of, say, of saying something, and the last thing I saw was the cat run across the keyboard, and you froze. <laughs> I was just like, as soon as I realized that, I just busted out laughing. Don't turn off the podcast again, cat. For the longest time, Eris was uh, Emerald's cat. She is my cat. No, now she's the <laughs> beloved family cat, and she's having a hard time adjusting to being the loner that hangs out with Emerald to, okay, I will play with Eleanor. She she does. She does. She does. I don't know why everybody keeps yeah. holding her. Like she's content to be pet. She'll accept the pet. She'll purge you and she'll stare at you until you pet her. But don't fucking touch. Like don't pick yeah. her up. Don't yeah. pick her up. Yeah. She's not gonna sit in your lap. She will sit on your book. Yeah. Oh, they, this is what I was saying. I you know what I thought would have made this film so much better. Okay. Like, like it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it was still trying to be like a good movie, an actual movie, a serious movie. But just they came up with a ridiculous premise and said, let's try and make a legitimate movie. Well, it was a ridiculous premise. It was a ridiculous premise, but it was still something that gave me some buy in like, okay, so it's a comic that you drew with a magical pen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, why? Why yeah. the fuck not? But 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 this is this is what I think would have made the film so much better. What if they went full comedy? And and in my mind, what I pictured was, what if this was a Lonely Island movie? Yeah. Lonely Island presents Santa Jaws, and then the kid who draws with a magical pen, that's uh, what's-his-nuts, that's uh, Rod Kimball, that's okay. Connor for real, and then the best friend who eventually gets eaten by Santa Jaws, almost everybody gets eaten by Santa Jaws, uh, that's uh, the, the younger brother from Hot Rod. <laughs> okay. And, and just... What if they just got the script for Santa Jaws and just ad-libbed their way through the movie? I would have thought that if they had gone full comedy with Santa Jaws, it would have been a better film. It would. Oh, 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 oh fucking for sure. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a good movie. I'm saying it's completely mediocre. I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing anything that's like particularly bad. Well, I, I I will say one thing in defense of this film. It it was very similar to the movie Jaws in that you barely saw the goddamn thing. Like like I think that there is I, no point that you could point out in this film that my reaction wouldn't be like, meh, it's all right. 
you know, and it never reaches any higher than that to become a good movie. I like the two islands idea. Yeah. Okay, so this is a 2018 Sci-Fi Network film. It had its premiere on the Sci-Fi Network, and surprisingly, this is not an asylum film. No. Looks like it could be, but it's not. Um, This was directed by Misty Tally. And I looked up Misty Tally. Misty Tally is usually an editor. Misty Tally edited, they edited Jeepers Creepers 3, which is apparently a thing. Yeah. Misty Tally also directed a series of films, which I'd like to, uh, uh, to, to tell you about. Misty Tally directed the 2015 film Shark Island. Yeah. Misty Tally also directed the 2016 film Ozark Sharks. Okay. Misty Tally also directed the 2017 film Mississippi River Sharks. Okay. So if you really think about it, you go, oh, Santa Jaws. Okay, well, uh, this is going to be a stupid movie. Um, Excuse me. This is the conclusion of Misty Tally's shark quadrology. <laughs> An epic four series film that started with Shark Island and ended with Santa Jaws. That, that is good to know. Yeah. Kudos to Missy Tally for making a shark quadrology. Yes. You know, you know the one thing that that really tells me? Uh, right now and throughout all of these, she's got a, she's got a shark in her backyard on a trailer. Well, she keeps making shark movies because she's got the prop. Yeah, I read somewhere that uh, Santa Jaws, the title character, the shark, is in fact a female shark. So this movie is a big win for feminists. Yes, this film is right up there with like the suffragist movement. Uh huh. Finally, a female deadly Christmas shark. That that that's a big deal. Yes, yes. Uh, I I will say another thing about this movie. I'm very excited to delete it from my computer forever. <laughs> I have but, but on on a, on a note, there, you know, I also highly recommend. I mean, I can't really speak for feminists, but I, I think with Ginger Schnapps, y- you need to you need to take ownership of werewolves. Yeah, yeah. I th- I thought female werewolves was just a brilliant idea. Yeah. Hey, what's that language? We're werewolves, not, not swearwolves. <laughs> Very important. I was surprised that this film had a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. But that's what I'm saying. It's exactly middle of the fucking road. It is the pure definition of mediocre. How was the acting? Well, it was competent. 
<laughs> you know? That's what this and movie then, like, was. Oh my oh oh my goodness. If my uncle was just eaten by an evil shark, an evil demonic shark, and my my kind uncle has just died right in front of me. Seconds later, the kid is happily hitting on his neighbor. Yes. It's like Hey, so you're the new girl. Where are you from? Bitch, your uncle just got eaten by a shark five <laughs> seconds ago. Stop hitting on the track girl. The hell is wrong with you? In my mind, that kid's that kid, the hero, is the villain. Yeah. Really don't think that he in any way fully uh, takes ownership of the horrible thing that he did. Yes, I would agree. Okay, so Bunny, why don't he, you hit he, us? He with does a take responsibility for it, but I don't think in a meaningful way. No, he doesn't. No, cl- no, he, he uh, no. I'm just playing around with terms. Yeah. Uh, he took responsibility for it, but no, he didn't. He doesn't take ownership for it. There are so many, I, I, like within the first 10 minutes, you meet a handful of disposable characters who are written to be so annoying that their deaths by, via shark attack will be welcomed. <laughs> yes. I didn't like that. Now, now here's, here's a good question, a good uh, discussion question. Um, who is more of a bad guy? The kid who uses a magic pen to bring a killer shark to life or the 49-year-old comic book shop owner who is hanging out with 13-year-old boys. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I never liked the comic book guy right from the beginning. I, I like the fact that someone in the movie had, I felt like the comic book guy was the only one in the entire movie who had a little bit of common sense. And it's like, oh my goodness, this magical pen brought Santa Jaws to life. And it's like, okay, I will be drawing a big titty woman. <laughs> and a million dollars in a goddamn mansion. You know? Yeah, like he was the only person who was like, "Oh, we need to stop the shark," or we could play more with the magical fucking pen. <laughs> like, can we focus less on Santa Jaws and more on what the fuck is this pen and what can I do with it? So the comic book guy was the only person who I thought actually had a lick of sense because it's like, "Oh man, we need to stop this shark." Let me just see this pen for a second. Oh, hi. This is my Russian girlfriend, Svetlana. Yeah. Like, okay, there you go. Good for you. Good for you. You know? I have nothing else about this movie. And I'm fine with that because it's Santa Jaws. Yeah, it's Santa Jaws. How far far do we have to get? It was kind of amusing being out of sync, though. Yeah, uh, it, it, when it when it got difficult to watch, I I imagined that it was just a radio drama. Yeah, and it's like okay, I'm just going to turn off the picture, and now I'm just going to hear the exciting story of Santa Jaws. Yeah, and that worked. Was the weird part? No, I kind of liked hearing the screaming first, 
and then look at the screen and try to figure out who was going to die and be like, okay, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. And she's not going to make it. (laughs) And then, of course, everyone's fine at the end. Hooray. Uh huh. Everyone's back and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Through through necromancy. I, to be honest, I did not like this film, and I don't think it's a good film. I think it's a bad film, and I hate it. That being said, if I had to choose between It's a Wonderful Life and Santa Jaws, I would put Santa Jaws on, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. If I had to choose between A Christmas Story, uh, the, the, the Red Rider, BB Gun, and Santa Jaws... It would be like a coin toss. A, a, a coin toss. Yeah. You know what? That's a difficult one. Let me flip a coin. If I had to choose between Bill Murray's Scrooge and Santa Jaws, Bill Murray wins all the time. But afterwards, I might put on Santa Jaws. Okay. Okay. It's not it's not a good movie and I didn't like it, but it's a nice alternative to other Christmas movies. It the, the one thing it got by, which was like my biggest fear of it, is it was gonna be what I thought a one joke movie. Like oh, look at yeah. Santa Joe's. Oh, look at Santa isn't this funny? It's uh, you know, and, and it, it tried to broaden things a little bit. They tried to do a little plot development. They they made it 50%, you know? And this movie should yeah. have been five times the size of a normal fl- flamingo. <laughs> that really ties everything together, Bunny. Yeah. Just FYI. Um, it, I... Uh, I like the movie because it's nice to have a shitty monster movie for Christmas. Like a lot of people have been freaking out over the new uh, film uh, Happiest Season with Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis and they're lesbians and they're in love and it's a Christmas movie. And I, and a lot of people are freaking out about it because it's a, it's a typical Christmas romance comedy, but it has uh, LGBTQ people as the stars. And I like that because, Hey, now LGBTQ people can have a shitty Christmas romance. And it's like, oh, well, now there's a really bad, shitty Christmas monster movie. Yes. Like, hey, let's watch a Christmas movie. Great. I'll put on Santa Jaws. I like that. Yes. Santa Jaws? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Natasha did tell me about Santa Jaws first. Yeah. So, so uh, oh, yeah? that's why. Entire episode has been dedicated to my wife Natasha. Oh my! An amazing woman. Why you be friends, homie? That I love. Shit. Mm-hmm. Stop it! That's gross. <laughs> what time I did that? 
Yeah. So yeah. So that's Santa Jaws. I mean, it's 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 different, and yeah. it does seem as if. Hey, here's a ridiculous premise, a really stupid premise. Let's try and make a decent movie out of it. And and it's it's bad. I've seen worse. I, you know, and like like oh, this movie. Oh, yeah, okay. This movie feels like when you watch somebody try and fail to do a pull-up. And they get like halfway there, and you're kind of happy with them because they got halfway there, but they still failed. Yeah. That's this movie. Yeah. Yeah, It is 50% on Rotten Tomatoes with a vengeance. It is a solid mediocre. Yeah, middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, acting, but I think competent. This be- story, competent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. middle of the road. Uh-huh. So it is okay, the so- Buddhist. The, it is the it is the Buddhist Santa Jaws movie that you've been wanting for that you've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. It is the I, middle I, yeah, path. I, I understand that. Yes, Eleanor, yes. Uh, Emerald and Amber have already wrapped presents and put up a Christmas tree and put the presents under the Christmas tree, and the two youngest are tripping out over it. Oh. I woke up this morning, and Eleanor's like, Dad, it's Christmas. And it's like, no, it's still November. It's like, but there's presents under the tree. And it's like, fucking, okay, that's my teens. They're excited for the holidays. But you still have a long way to go before you open those presents. And um, uh, I would just like to say. Yes, Maxwell? I'm not hyped about it. <clears throat> You're not hyped? You're tripping? I am not tripping. You're not oh, tripping. I'm not hyped. And you're not hyped. Um, what are you saying? Um, I'm just saying. All I said was. Santa was here before us. Okay. Okay. So, 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 so that's it for Santa Jaws. Now, when it, when it. When it comes to this year, because we've had a rough year for 2020 and uh, it's been difficult. And the last thing that I wanted to do was I didn't want to fill our our last month with, with a bunch of really bad movies. I wanted to go for some different sort of Christmas movies. Not necessarily because I found some really bad Christian Christmas movies. And it's like, no, let's try and go a different route. Let's try and make it more lighthearted, but our podcast lighthearted. So I've been trying to look for some different Christmas movies. And then you brought something up and I went and looked for it. And then I found it. And so next week, 
We're watching Santa's sleigh, sorry, yeah. Bill Goldberg. Yes. I haven't uploaded it on the Cough Cough, but I have it, and I will put it there uh, this evening. <clears throat> WCW champion Bill Goldberg stars as an evil murderous Santa. We will be talking about Bill Goldberg and WCW, and I've got some. I've got we will be talking about Kevin Nash's upcoming new movie, which okay. sounds like it's going to be so bad that they might as well just give us a copy because we're going to be doing it eventually. It's so bad. It's so bad. But, uh, so that's next week. We will also be talking about the British invasion band that somehow gave birth to one of America's biggest bands in the 80s, which is really weird. And that's going to be next week. And I'm really excited for next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows, uh, so much fun. I got to say, I think, and this is just me saying it, I think personally, me, myself, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode of the podcast. Okay. Good, good. I felt the same way, but I, you know, you're the one who makes those distinctions. And I didn't want to step on your toes, but yes, you don't. <laughs> you weirdo. Uh, I got. I, I concur with your assessment, good sir. <laughs> So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Maxwell and Eleanor and Bella and Natasha and everybody else. I, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Hey, do you show off those infamitas? Poop and sprinkles on top. Poop and sprinkles, sure. That's a thing. And you. And you. And your hurts. Anyone who plays Minecraft would get that. Gotcha. Do 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 do